0: Welcome to episode one hundred and two of the Blooms of Brown Hills podcast, where we talk about all things relating to James Joyce's *Ulysses*. I'm Dermot,
1: and I'm Kelly. How are you? Today, how are you today, Dermot?
0: I am doing well, thank you very all much. Right.
1: All I right, am proud of us both for being here today. Mm-hmm. All right, we're gonna get into some more Hades today. In this episode, they finally make it to the friggin' cemetery.
0: Good, get this guy in the in the what? ground,
1: please. <laughs> Um, but before we get into that, uh, let's take care of a little bit of business. First up, we are a blog as well as a podcast. And if you'd like to read our blog, you can find it at bloomsabarnacles.com. Yeah. The blog is pretty much, if you're not familiar with it, it's just my research notes that are written up into blog post form and it kind of will show you what's going to be on the podcast maybe a year from now. Mm. Um, and on the blog, I've just started Lestragonians, and I have a, a new blog post that's in the works that should be out soon, entitled Elijah is Coming. Um, I, normally, we'll ask Dermot what it's about, but I haven't written it yet, so that might not be fair. Based on the title, what do you think it's about?
0: The Jewish prophet Elijah?
1: yeah. He makes an appearance for sure.
0: Mm, yeah, he's a, and also he's a I I guest at Yom Is it Yom Kippur or? Uh, Passover. Passover. Seder. Sorry, yeah. Jewish listeners. Um, yes, and a table is mm-hmm. left, our seats left open at the table for Elijah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, and that will definitely be talked about in the blog post. Um, and Dermot is our resident artist, and he does art for each and every blog post and podcast episode, and he's done some artwork for today's podcast or you will have i mm. think it's still kind of percolating yes uh do you
0: want to talk about that at all it's something to do with Glasnevin cemetery or the environs mm-hmm. although i've drawn quite a bit of Glasnevin recently so it might be a murder we'll see okay i'll keep you in suspense all
1: right a few shout outs before we get into the episode Uh, first of all, we want to give a big hefty thank you to all of our donors, uh, you can make a one-time donation over at PayPal, or I would recommend, um, subscribing to us on Patreon, which we've just launched this month, um, where you can, if you subscribe, you get bonus content, so if you're thinking about making a donation, I would recommend doing it Patreon. We just released our first bonus episode, which is about the dead, And I think that went really, really well. I'm really
0: happy with it. And just to give you an idea that Mm -hmm. it took a full day uh, for me to edit this thing Mm -hmm. in video. We
1: do a video. Yeah. If you want to see this episode in video, you can also see that over at Patreon.
0: I think it worked brilliantly because I was able to Mm -hmm. cut two scenes from the movie. Uh, It works fine as a podcast, audio only is great. Mm -hmm. But to see it in video when I'm cutting in and out of the movie, showing the clips Mm -hmm. that we're talking about. Where, if we refer to any visual elements, I get to show them and not tell them. And that's, I think I was really, really happy with it. We're
1: so proud of that one. We actually ended up releasing it into the free feed as well. So you can see Dermot's video at our YouTube channel or just listen to the audio in your normal podcast feed. But uh, check it out. And uh, also, we've, we've been releasing episodes a few days early for our patrons. So, um,
0: you know, check it out. Five bucks a month. Yep. Gets you lots of bonus content, and we're trying to turn this into a job so we can actually,
1: yes, do uh, it all the time. Producing Blooms and Barnacles is already a full time job that I have done alongside other full time jobs, so um, yeah, a li- just we've had a big move this year, mm-hmm. so just a little bit of a lull in things, normal career wise. So, mm-hmm. trying to use it to make the podcast bigger and better than ever before. Um, A few other things. If you would like to support us in a non-monetary fashion, get the To Apple Podcast. Leave us a five-star review. If you write something, even if it's just one sentence, we'll read it out and say your name. And finally, if you'd like to keep up with everything that we're doing, we uh, send out a newsletter once a month um, that has all the links to our latest stuff. So that's a great way to keep up with us. And finally, if you do want to contact us, you can email us at bloomsandbarnacles.com. At gmail.com. And one listener did that. Uh, they would like to remain anonymous. Um, but they had a memory of when cattle were driven on the North Circular Road in Dublin back in the day. So mm-hmm. I would like Dermot to read that email. Yeah. Um, it's a nice little insight into life in Dublin in the mid 20th century.
0: I attended O'Connell schools in the 1950s. During my time there, it was a common sight to see cattle driven down the NC, or that's the North Circular Road, mm-hmm. to the North Wall docks from the cattle market at Hanlon's Corner for live shipment to Britain. It was an exciting sight for schoolboys to see the cattle driven at what looked like stampede speed along the road. The drovers were rough-looking men who controlled the beasts with sticks and shouts. It's difficult to judge, but I think the herds were made of 40 or so beasts. The road was left in a mess from the cow dung, which also lent its aroma to the procession. The drovers seemed a wild breed as they shouted and flailed their ash plants at the herd. They were considered very vicious in their handling of the cattle and would not be tolerated today. I hope this gives an idea of what the cattle drives were like. I feel fortunate to have lived in Dublin at the time when it hadn't changed so very much since Joyce's days. This adds considerably to my enjoyment of his work.
1: All right. And thank you so much. And this listener asked us to um, give a quick shout out to the Free University of Ireland, which is located in the City Arms Hotel at Hanlon's Corner. And the City Arms Hotel, of course, is in Ulysses um, as the place where Mr. Deasy will go for the Cattle Traders Association Hmm. Association meeting Hmm. that day to talk about foot and mouth disease. Hmm. So, okay. All right. Uh, any thoughts about that?
0: No, I mean, you, there's a, a YouTube channel called C or Vault. And they do regular updates of archive footage from Dublin. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them in the 60s, 70s and onwards. But occasionally you'll see some older stuff. And it is mm-hmm. striking, like the the change that hit the country in the 60s. That's when Sean Lemass's minority government came in. And he's regarded as one of the transformational mm-hmm. politicians in Ireland. He was on the cover of Time magazine. There's, oh, wow. a f- of, uh, LeMasse, there's a poster of Sean Lemass, and there's a little curtain behind him being pulled back by a leprechaun, of course, an American mm-hmm. cover. But behind it are smokestacks and factories beginning to be built. Mm-hmm. And those of us who complain about how, you know, how much has changed, better and worse. Right. But um, the, the changes all come in from most of them from that time. That's when it that kicks off mm-hmm. and they rip down anything old. Like they were not sentimental. Just everything, mm-hmm. anything old, get rid of it, put a glass box, put a modern building up because it was the future.
1: Yep. And that's so, around that time that Eccles Street, uh, 7 Eccles Street was torn down. Mm-hmm. The Turkish baths are torn down. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: And it's a shame. Like, But, yeah. you know, it, it, the creatures of their time, what is not excusable mm-hmm. is people doing that today. Uh, they should mm-hmm. know better because uh, we have so little left at this point that what little is left should be preserved.
1: Mm-hmm. Not
0: to turn the city into a museum. But it shouldn't be a glass box either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Uh, for more talk on historical preservation, listen to any of our Sweeney's Pharmacy episodes, mm-hmm. as well as our episode about the dead, where we talk about a little bit about the dead house at Usher's Key. Yeah. Scandal. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Without further ado, then, let's get into the text of Ulysses. Uh, we are still in the Hades episode, which is the sixth episode of Ulysses. And our text today comes from pages 99 through 101. So we've broken off the first hundo of Ulysses. Mm -hmm. Um, That's always a, you know, the first time I read Ulysses, I knew it would be a slog. So what I did to motivate myself was every 100 pages I got a a prize. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Okay,
1: I think it's either page 100 or 200. I had found a Ulysses t-shirt at Powell's Books in Portland, and mm-hmm. I couldn't buy it until I'd read a hundred pages. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not wearing that. I'm wearing my T.C. O'Leary's Ulysses shirt today, which Dermot, Dermot illustrated, and I I own <laughs> this before I even knew Dermot. That's how famous he is. So, um, anyway, those pages are from my edition, which is the 1990 Vintage International edition. Uh, let's take it away, Dermot.
0: Okay. <laughs> Cross Guns Bridge, the Royal Canal. Water rushed roaring through the sluices. A man stood in his dropping barge between clamps of turf. On the towpath by the lock, a slack-tethered hearse. Aboard of the bugaboo. Their eyes watched him. On the slow, weedy waterway he had floated in his raft coastward over Ireland, drawn by a haulage rope past beds of reeds, over slime, mud-choked bottles, carrion dogs. Athlone, Mullingar, Moy Valley. I could make a walking tour to see Millie by the canal. Or cycle down. Hire some old crock. Safety. Wren had one the other day at the auction, but a lady's. Developing waterways. James McCann's hobby to me o'er the ferry. Cheaper transit by easy stages. Houseboats camping out. Also hearses. To heaven by water. Perhaps I will without writing. Come as a surprise. League slip. Cluncilla. Dropping down lock by lock to Dublin. With turf from the Midland bogs salute he lifted his brown straw hat saluting patty Dignam.
1: all right dermot what do you think it's nice
0: yeah um so he's he goes into like a reverie of the Mm -hmm. he's he's a like you wouldn't see like canal boats like this anymore but the canal's still there Mm -hmm. um but probably like all you know much more you know concreted in or i think i wouldn't Mm -hmm. be overly familiar with that particular canal but the uh I forget, there's the Royal Canal, the Grand Canal, whatever, but the, um, yeah, very like pedestrianized now and, you know, all developed in. Mm-hmm. But I, it sounds like the way he's describing it here, it's a little wilder, hasn't been all like encroached on as much. Um, and you wouldn't see a horse towing a, a boat anymore either. And then this reverie where he's he's imagining where he came from and then backtracking. So Muldengar is where his his daughter is working, right? And so he gets him thinking about making a trip across country, maybe on a bike. He saw one, but it was a lady's bike. He can't buy that. Um, He says developing waterways. uh, James McCann's hobby to row me or the ferry. I have no idea what that's about. Um, Houseboats camping out also horses. So again, he's like one idea tumbles into the next one and he gets him thinking about being in a horse and being dead to heaven by water Um perhaps I would with that writing so he's like a surprise visit to his daughter probably best not to um, dropping down lock by lock to Dublin with turf from the Midland Bogs which is nice was more of it then than there is now yeah and then he lifted his brown straw hat as the man on the canal boat mm-hmm. and he's like just respect to the corpse right mm-hmm. about it yep
1: Yeah. alright so let's talk about Homer Mm, okay So, in order for one to enter the Greek underworld, you Mm -hmm. had to cross four rivers. Mm -hmm. And to enter the Ah, Irish necropolis of Glasnevin Cemetery, you Mm -hmm. must cross four waterways. Mm -hmm. This is our fourth waterway. Mm. And so, this is the River Styx. Mm -hmm. And who floats along the River Styx? Do you remember?
0: Um, oh, what's his face? Charon in the boat? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah so yeah. this
1: is, um, as they cross the, the Royal Canal, this is their, their final mm. water crossing into right. the, the mm. underworld and the, the realm of Hades. So this is the, the, um, the bargeman mm-hmm. who he's, he's going through a lock. Do you know
0: what a lock is? Yeah, it's um, different levels of the water. So mm-hmm. the lock is, I, I still can't imagine how these things work, but they allow you to float and raise the mm-hmm. level of the water from to go up. If Mm you want to go up a grade, I think, yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah, they basically have two big gates. It's Mm. watertight, and they either let water in or let it out. I guess as
0: you're going up the gradient, you go into the lock, Mm -hmm. and then you open this one. It raises you. Then you can go forward. You can close the lock, and they can release Mm -hmm. the water. Yep. Yep. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, so he's seeing him. He's, um, let's see. I'm trying to see. Um, But yeah, he's going through the lock. And he uh, at the end he salutes the the hearse mm. the the funeral procession right. um yeah d- ah, dropping barge so they're, they're the lock is going down but mm-hmm. makes sense because he's he's headed coastward it says right so, so
0: it's, they've got a and him downhill
1: yeah lock okay. okay. um and he thinks about speaking of dropping in he thinks about dropping in on Millie unannounced as mm-hmm. you noticed yep. do you think in, do you think this
0: would be a good idea or
1: a not good idea not
0: good idea because he could find her with Blazes boiling, or some young man. Millie, yeah, his was, daughter. Wasn't there a fear that Blazes? There was is...
1: Bannon, the student Bannon, oh, okay. not Blazes. Okay, Blazes is a grown man. Then okay, she's good. fifteen. I'd be worried. Yeah. Um. But really, yeah. So he's worried about Millie with this boy, of course. Mm-hmm. But he, what he really wants to do is drop in on Molly. Mm-hmm. He thinks about that a bit too,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um. You know, so he mentions this idea a couple more times in this passage. Um, And even though he's talking about Millie, I think he's really talking about Molly. Right. Because it's not very realistic to walk to Mullingar. I mean, it could be done.
0: Be a long walk.
1: But it's not very realistic. Mm. Um, But it is more realistic for him to walk to Seven Eccles Street from Glasnevin or Mm. hop the tram. And say, Oh, I forgot my <gasps> Molly. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Who's this man? I guess it's he knows blazes. Love but... trees, potted meat all over the bed. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll mm-hmm. get to that. Mm-hmm. He, in... Spoiler alert, he won't do either. Um, James McCann, uh, he's mentioned here. He was the chairman of the court of directors of the Grand Canal Company. And he had died in February of 1904. And he's sort of another real life uh, candidate for Charon, mm-hmm. the spectral ferryman of the underworld um there's an allusion here also to heaven by water and that is a phrase that can mean drowning Mm -hmm. and that's an allusion to matthew kane Mm -hmm. who dried by uh, who died by drowning Mm -hmm. and is uh portrayed by patty dignam as well as martin cunningham in this episode all right here's another one
0: they drove on past brian Baruch's house near it now I wonder how is our friend Fogarty getting on Mr. Power said better ask Tom Kernan Mr. Dedalus said how is that Martin Cunningham said left him weeping I suppose though lost a sight Mr. Dedalus said to memory dear the carriage ste- steered left for Fingless Road the stonecutter's yard on the right last lap crowded on the spit of land silent shapes appeared white sorrowful holding out calm hands knelt in grief Pointing, fragments of shapes hewn, in white silence appealing, the best obtainable, Thomas H. Denany, monumental builder and sculptor, past. Thoughts? Thank you. So, uh, I'm not exactly sure what the chatter in the cabin's about, um, because okay. uh, they're referring to Fogarty and no idea who that is. Mm-hmm. But then we uh, the stonecutter's yard on the right, so there's still like a stonecutter's yard there mm-hmm. where they're actually making the statues that we saw on our recent yes. visit.
1: Yeah, and apparently that is accurate to history. Right, Thomas And, and then and he descri- he's
0: describing all the statues kneeling, mm-hmm. appealing, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And those statues, I have to say, like some wonderful sculptures in the in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Real quality.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, mm. very gorgeous. Yeah. If you get a chance, go check it out, or check out our episode 100. Uh, in which we are given a lovely tour of Glasnevin Cemetery mm-hmm. and its fine sculptures.
0: All right.
1: Yeah. Any other thoughts? No. no. All right. Let's uh, start with a landmark, which is the Brian Brew House, or just the Brian Brew. Spelt B-R-O-O-I-M-H-E.
0: Sorry about that. People yep. who don't speak Irish. I
1: a... would say, reading this with a really any audience, that that is a word where people will stop and go... Oof.
0: Understandably. But it's brew. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and so the Brian Baru is still there. I have had the opportunity to go and en- enjoy a um, a drink on their outdoor seating, which mm-hmm. I think offers a view of the Crossguns Bridge or at least that general area. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's two pictures of it hmm. here. Yeah. I'll put these on our website as well. Right. Uh, I guess if you hold it up, you can't really see it.
0: I'll put a picture okay. on the
1: video. Um, What do you see?
0: Uh, Top one is wine merchant P. Hedigan. So Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's been renamed. But above Mm -hmm. that, actually on the masonry, the Brian Brew is Mm -hmm. written on the building. So the business might be listed as Hedigan's, but the building still has the Brian Brew on it, which is nice. On the side of the building, which is a Unfortunately, a big blank wall. They've used it to put like a nice mural of Brian Boru, And that actually doesn't mm-hmm. look half bad at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and very eye-catching. So um, who is Brian Baruch? Uh The last high king of Ireland. Mm-hmm. Uh, killed by the Vikings. Yeah. 1002 uh, to 1014. I'm mm-hmm. cheating here from the notes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Killed by the Dane or the Vikings, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Battle of Clontarf. Which yeah. would be Dublin area. today, mm-hmm. Modern day yep. Dublin. So it's- probably close to where uh, the pub mm-hmm. is. Not too far away anyway. It's further east but you know close mm-hmm. enough
1: yes and there's a note about the spelling of it here from the the joyce project which is a great online uh, annotation of ulysses so the name of the pub itself is the brian brew it always has been uh but on the inside of the wall and i think this is still hanging in there there's a picture of it on the joyce project site so um i won't steal their picture go to go and look at it at the joyce project um there's an old map hanging on the wall that identifies it as the brian Baru house in which Baru is spelled b-o-r-o-i-h-m-e which is a misspelling okay h-b-m-h-e yes yes but this is sort of like small detail that joyce really liked Mm -hmm. so he preserved that and so i don't know if that was ironed out by him the h-m becoming m-h or a copy editor at some stage it's hard to know Mm -hmm. but um yep that's the brian brew house it's a a nice spot to go Mm -hmm. if you visit glasnevin cemetery It is very near I used to take student groups to the botanical gardens which are right next door Mm -hmm. and that was always when i knew we needed to get off the bus soon was when you go by the big mural brian brew okay so uh now you want to know about tom kernan and mr fogarty so um Joyce loves a callback, and Tom Kernan was a focus of the Dubliner story, Grace. Mm -hmm. So maybe we'll read that on
0: the
1: the Patreon sometime. Mm -hmm. Um, The other really long story in Dubliner. So I pulled the passage where uh, Fogarty is mentioned. So this is Mr. Fogarty and Mr. Kernan.
0: Mr. Fogarty was a modest grocer. He had failed in business in a licensed house in the city because his financial condition had constrained him to tie himself to second-class distillers and brewers. He had opened a small shop on Glasnevin Road where, he flattered himself, his manners would ingratiate him with the housewives of the district. He bore himself with a certain grace, complimented little children and spoke with a neat enunciation. He was not without culture. Mr. Fogarty brought a gift with him, a half-pint of special whisky. He inquired politely for Mr. Kernan, placed his gift on the table, and sat down with the company on equal terms. Mr. Kernan appreciated the gift all the more, since he was aware that there was a small account for groceries unsettled between him and Mr. Fogarty.
1: All right. So the implication here is that, you know, grace takes place some years before. Uh, Tom Kernan had a small debt to Mr. Fogarty at that time, mm-hmm. but that debt has only grown in the intervening years and he's hoping to avoid Mr. Mm -hmm. Fogarty. And because his shop is located in Glasnevin, they're either passing it or in the nearby environs. Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure where it is. So, um, there is a reference here to in white silence appealing. So that's describing these monuments. Mm -hmm. That is an allusion to the Elizabeth Barrett Browning poem, uh, about Hiram Power's Greek slave, hmm. which is a, a statue that was much revered by the Victorians. But the final line of that she's uh, the final line of that she wrote says by thunders of white silence overthrown about how beautiful this naked slave girl is hmm. in this uh, marble statue. So this line is mentioned a couple times here so Bloom is thinking about it as he's seeing all these carved angels and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, in white silence This apparently was yeah. a very, very famous poem at the okay. time. So it's kind of like anyone would have gotten that reference now, okay. but in the intervening century plus mm-hmm. maybe forgotten, yeah. you know, we're, we're not as enamored of this poem about how, um, um, hot the slave is. <laughs> it's weird. I felt weird reading it. Um, this will be referenced later, keen readers might have noted, by Buck Mulligan and Sylan and Charybdis, when he is reporting on having spotted Bloom peeking at Venus's booty in the museum. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, the thunder of those loins. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think they might have known in the period it was a little bit weird, mm-hmm. <laughs> too. Mm-hmm. Um, but and there's also this this double nice double meaning of appealing mm-hmm. because in the, the statues they're they're appealing like to, to God for mercy and okay. or salvation. But there's also a way of talking about someone's ass mm-hmm. saying, Oh, it's a very appealing mm-hmm. um right. buttocks, <laughs> Whatever you want to say. It means it looks good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's this kind of nice hidden double entendre there that mm-hmm. I I couldn't pass by. Alright, so we have Fogarty, we've got um mm-hmm. hot asses <laughs> let's uh let's talk about murder
0: on the curbstone before jimmy geary the sextons an old tramp sat grumbling emptying the dirt and stones out of his huge dust brown yawning boot after life's journey gloomy gardens then went by one by one gloomy houses mr power pointed that is where mr child was murdered he said the last house so it is mr dedalus said a gruesome case "'Seymour Bush got him off, murdered his brother, or so they said. "'The Crown had no evidence,' Mr. Powers said. "'Only circumstantial,' Martin Cunningham added. "'That's the maxim of the law. "'Better for 99 guilty to escape than for one innocent person to be wrongfully condemned.' "'They looked. Murderer's ground. "'It passed darkly. shuddered, Tenantless. Unweeded garden. "'Whole place gone to hell. Wrongfully condemned. Murder.' The murderer's image in the eye of the murdered. They love reading about it. Man's head found in a garden. Her clothing consisted of how she met her death. Recent outrage. The weapon used. Murderer is still at large. Clues. A shoelace. The body to be exhumed. Murder will out.
1: So it seems like true crime is always a popular mm-hmm. genre. Yeah. Lots of think pieces about why are people so into true crime? Hmm. All of a sudden, I think everybody does just always liked a, oh, yeah. a crime yeah. story.
0: There's a famous case from ancient Rome, uh, Cicero. Mm-hmm. He defended a man who was, I think, wrongly accused of murder by a powerful Greek politician. Mm-hmm. And Cicero made his name. It's a brilliant dramatization, docudrama about it years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when Cicero coined the cui bono thing. Oh, okay. Um, but he risked his life, like, going after this man. He was so powerful. Mm-hmm. The really weird thing is that having got off the accused man, he didn't do well after, apparently, if my memory serves. And the powerful Greek politician disappears from the pages of history. Nobody knows what happened to nope. him. Very okay. strange. Probably came to an end somewhere. but Or he yeah. got out of town and never came back. All right. But yeah, so no, going back to ancient Rome, people are writing about murder cases and trials.
1: So uh, what do you think of this passage?
0: Um so it's uh we've covered the talk about the child this is the child's murder the child's the murder the child yeah. is the name not it 's not a murder of a child I mean, it's the name of very hard to google
1: the child's murder case
0: creates a lot of noise on the so search a lot index. Of childs have been yes, murdered yes. so so you have to add the Dublin or some other uh, uh, addition to the mm-hmm. boolean search. Um, so it's an infamous, horrible murder in uh, Dublin in the 1890 period or something. I 1890s? believe the 1890s. Yeah, I have yeah.
1: a date written down. 1899, so right. just.
0: So yeah. fairly recent still that people would remember it. Um, also very close to the graveyard too, which would have caught the lurid imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, and we drove by that house too when we were coming back from yes. the graveyard. So yeah, it's... Um, just a normal-looking little house. I'm sure people mm-hmm. walk by it every day, and they have no Don't idea. Don't think it
1: looks like murderer's
0: ground. It does not look like murderer's ground. It looks like it could be an Airbnb, uh, and the description of the think book. Think
1: there's like a, a blackness to the windows. Or they do. Not the imagine that they a look a void.
0: Yeah, like the Amityville Horror. They no, look it almost
1: like those it's people fine. left their curtains open, and the neighbors closed theirs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I'm yeah. sure it looks nothing like it yeah. did back then. Yeah, the the like clearly abandoned. Mm-hmm. People are afraid of it. Yeah. Maybe like nobody wants to live in a house where someone's been c- killed.
1: Yeah. And it should be noted too, Bloom describes this as the last house. It is not is the mm. second to last house. Um, and then this wall here is actually the wall of the cemetery, okay. but there's a house in between. Um, there's more to be said about that for sure. I wrote a blog post about this over the summer called A Polished Period, which is at our website, bloomsandarticles.com. I recommend you read it. I'll put a link in the show notes to this as well. Um, I, so I don't want to go over it in too much detail today because we'll go over some of it in the future in Eolus, so mm-hmm. save a little bit. Um, but I do kinda wanna go over this case of uh fratricide, mm-hmm. which
0: is the murder of a brother.
1: Yes. So the two brothers in question are Samuel and Thomas Childs. Thomas was sort of an elderly miser who lived in that house. It's five Bengal Terrace near Glasnevin Cemetery. Uh Thomas was a bit peculiar. And that he, quote, transacted his own domestic business, which sort of means he made his own tea. Mm. He fluffed his own pillows rather than employing a domestic servant. And that's important because mm. it means he would have been alone in the house right. at the night in question. Uh, we're, we're right now the most popular podcast because we're a true crime podcast for the next five minutes. So. Okay. <laughs> Everybody loves true crime. In September of 1899, when Thomas was found bludgeoned to death with his own fire irons, Suspicions turned to the brother, Samuel, Mm -hmm. because Samuel, unlike his brother, had fallen on hard times. Uh, He had retired from his career as an accountant, but his paltry pension wasn't enough to support himself, his wife, and their children. And records show that Samuel had taken small loans from Thomas in the past. Mm-hmm. So we see a motive emerging. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had also been seen around Thomas's neighborhood on the night of the murder. So opportunity. Hang on. Uh, when police scoured Thomas's home following his murder, they found a copy of his will, naming Samuel as the primary beneficiary. Further motive. Uh most damning of all was the fact that there was no sign of a break in so whoever done the foul deed must have had access. So there's no servant. Mm-hmm. Um police investigators determined that the cobweb covered double bolted back door had not been opened in years, hermetically sealed even, they said. Yeah. Um so the only key holder to the front door apart from Thomas was Samuel, uh further demonstrating opportunity. Mhm. Um, A few days after the murder, Samuel said to a constable that he met at Dumfries Corner. Remember Dumfries Corner? Uh, Quote, suspicion points to me. Oh, that unfortunate latch key. Is that iambic pentameter? (laughs) Uh, Which only increased police suspicion against him. So this Mm -hmm. is all the circumstantial evidence that I I believe it's Martin Cunningham points out. You know, which was the bulk of the crown's case, but it was considered quite strong at the time. Mm -hmm. Samuel's goose was surely cooked. Mm. Um, It was a. I'm not going to say the rest of it. Um, That's what happened in the house. Uh, The legal end of it and the eloquent defense of the improbably named Seymour Bush Mm -hmm. um, is a tale for another day. If you'd like to know it today, head over to blooms and barns. Click Bart Simpson sketch.
0: (laughs) Yeah, calling Moles. It
1: would have been nixed by Fox because hey. it was stupid. <laughs> hey, guys, I want to see more Bush. Okay, we're going to move right on from that. Uh, a polished period, um, that's the blog post. Um, but this was the like the very, very big case in its day. Mm-hmm. It was super sensationalized. Um, there are some wild Ulysses connections um, which you'll have to go to the blog post to read about because I'm not going to spoil it till Aeolus. But one of them that I will spoil is that the trial was witnessed by a 17-year-old James Joyce. Mm-hmm. So he was in attendance. He was very interested in law, mm-hmm. um, like all, I think, bright bright young folks are at some point. Mm. And uh, so he attended this um, court trial mm. case mm. thing. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Rambling. Okay. Uh, oh, I did want to mention the, the tramp shaking dust out of his boot. This is seen by some as a foreshadowing of the man in the Macintosh, okay. who is described in later episodes as sort of uh, in a tramp-like, uh, maybe Columbo-esque brown overcoat. Okay. So um, Maybe it is, maybe it
0: isn't. Hmm. Okay. Cramped in this carriage. She mightn't like me to come that way without letting her know. Must be careful about women. Catch them once with their pants down. Never forgive you after. Fifteen. The high railings of prospect rippled past their gaze. Dark poplars, rare white forms. Forms more frequent. White shapes thronged amid the trees. White forms and fragments streaming by mutely, sustaining vain gestures on the air. The felly harshed against the curbstone, stopped. Martin Cunningham put out his arm, and wrenching back the handle, shoved the door open with his knee. He stepped out. Mr. Power and Mr. Daedalus followed. Change that soap now. Mr. Bloom's hand unbuttoned his hip pocket swiftly and transferred the paper-stuck soap to his inner handkerchief pocket. He stepped out of the carriage, replacing the newspaper his other hand still held.
1: All right. Thank you, Dermot. And thoughts? That's fairly clear. Yeah. I don't have much yeah. to
0: say about this myself. Yeah, and the soap, our swingy soap is going, he's moving it around, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you notice
1: it's called paper-stuck soap? Mm-hmm. Now, he's you know why he's moving it around? No. Because he's been sitting on it. Oh. and so it's, it's annoying getting the, okay, yeah. it's called paper stuck what might cause paper to
0: stick to a soap uh, moisture yeah, Sweat? yeah 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 the mm. soap's
1: wet why yeah, is the soap yeah. a little it's, it's bit damp it's in his
0: pocket like it's sticky in the carriage because he
1: used it in the bath
0: oh he's already washed with it yeah.
1: oh okay
0: yeah. and you put it back in his pocket
1: yeah hmm Because it's in the paper.
0: Mm. I don't see any of you guys doing that on Bloomsday, walking around with wet soap in your Mm -hmm. pockets. That's your challenge, the 2023 Bloomsday Challenge.
1: Uh, What is a felly?
0: A felly, I have no idea. It's the
1: outer rim of a wheel to which the spokes are affixed.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, I don't have much more to say about that. He thinks a little bit more about Millie. We know it's Millie only because he says 15. Mm -hmm. It could just as easily be about Molly. So that's, I think, clear enough. Uh, I'd like to move on to the next. Okay.
0: Paltry funeral. Coach and three carriages. It's all the same. Pallbearers, gold reins, requiem mass, firing a volley. Pomp of death. Beyond the hind carriage, a hawker stood by his barrow of cakes and fruit. Simnel cakes, those are, stuck together. Cakes for the dead. Dog biscuits. Who ate them? Mourners coming out. He followed his companions. Mr. Kernan and Ned Lambert followed, Hines walking after them. Corny Keller stood by the open hearse and took out the two wreaths. He handed one to the boy. Where is that child's funeral disappeared to? A team of hearses passed from Finglas with toiling, plodding tread, dragging through the funereal silence a creaking wagon on which lay a granite block. The wagoner marching at their head saluted.
1: Thank you, Dermot. What do you think?
0: <clears throat> simnel cakes i know we've talked about them before there's some kind of awful funeral cake are they Or they that rings a bell
1: so simnel cakes no uh no relation to lambert simnel the mm-hmm. pretender king that's the name there's no relation at all uh simnel cakes were traditionally they're like a if you're familiar with like Victorian style cakes, they are all like super dense, like you can mm-hmm. beat a man to death with them. Yeah, they're sort of like that. I think they're plum based. Uh, okay. they have um, it's not really an icing, but like a, a topping that's made of uh, marzipan, mm. like an almond paste.
0: Okay,
1: and they are usually associated with Mothering Sunday, mm. so they're out of time here. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Tom, I I know that for the reason when we were reading this that T.C. O'Leary's and Portland, um, I talked about Simnel Cakes when it came to this because uh, I'm interested in his mm-hmm. historic baking. Right. Um, and Tom had his chef make and serve a Simnel Cake yeah. at the pub in That's, Portland. F- yeah. And it was really nice. Yes, I remember yeah. that.
0: I think, I think I had a bit of that. Yeah,
1: yeah. 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 I was wondering as you're reading this, like, because they... That's- they, Probably where I remember yeah. the word from i I was very yeah. excited to have this in the similar cake um <laughs> while we're on on the subject here, he describes them as cakes
0: for the dead mm. colon dog, dog biscuits. biscuits.
1: Who's the guardian of the, the gates oh, of the
0: underworld? Of course, Charon. Yeah. Not no, Charon. and um, the dog uh, thingy. Fluffy. Leaf. Fluffy, yes. No, that's, <laughs> what that's from Harry Potter. <laughs> Cerberus. Cerberus, yeah. yes. Yeah. So um,
1: if you don't have a liar like Orpheus to soothe them to sleep, you could uh, mm-hmm. toss him some
0: symbol cakes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Mr. Kernan, again, from the mm-hmm. previous yep. book. you remember Tom uh, Kernan? Ned Lambert.
1: He's a guy that they know. I don't know that Ned... I, I have looked into Ned Lambert before. I think he's just a guy. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not really a whole... There's never enough to write a blog post okay. or even a, a section of one about Ned Lambert. Hines? He, Joe Hines. He's a reporter for the Freeman's Journal there to cover the funeral for World. the
0: oh. uh, obituaries page. Okay, so yeah. the guy is well enough known that somebody mm-hmm. from a newspaper would...
1: He's friends with all these guys that work at the paper. Okay. Because oh, once no. we transition to Eolus... Uh when Bloom goes up to the, the newsroom to mm-hmm. you know, talk about his keys ad, we'll see Simon Deadless and Ed Lambert are up there um so they okay. all kind of know each other
0: corny kelleher a name i remember and i cannot place it again
1: corny is short short for cornelius he's the assistant to the undertaker mm-hmm. and he plays a pretty pivotal role in the sort of climax of ulysses okay and,
0: uh, so he's important right? yeah
1: okay. it's it's very heavily implied he's well connected
0: mm-hmm.
1: um but all you need to know about him right now is he's the assistant to the undertaker
0: okay He's where, a sort of psychopomp figure. When he says, where is that child's funeral disappeared to? You? Are they talking about a child's funeral or the child's murder No. Funeral?
1: Do you remember when they were passing the rotunda, uh, they saw a child's oh, fu- hearse okay. passing gotcha. and he's, you know, wondering like, gotcha. you know.
0: Okay. So it's the same, but it's mm-hmm. weird that it would be like the two, there's a the child's murder and then the child's funeral. Mm-hmm. So the, I don't know if that's a coincidence or mm. there
1: are no coincidences in Ulysses. Yeah. You could probably write a thesis on that. <laughs> mm. I, I don't know what the connection is, or okay. if there is one, right. but yeah. Okay. Um, so Bloom complains initially of Paddy Dignam having a paltry funeral. Mm. What what does that mean to you mm-hmm. as an Irish person? Not
0: many people showed up. Mm-hmm.
1: What, what do you do? You have any thoughts or feelings about that? It's kind of sad.
0: Like you know, you in Ireland, like funerals, it, they did. It, it would be a bad form if people didn't show up. Mm-hmm like you know you'd you'd want like more than 12 or 13 people at a mm-hmm. funeral like that's not a good and all men like there's no mm-hmm. w- w- women showing up there's no like siblings or extended family maybe he didn't have any that would certainly call the numbers
1: mm-hmm. hold yeah. that thought cuz we're going to talk about that in the next
0: section okay
1: yeah um yeah as we'll discover there are 13 in attendance at his funeral mm-hmm. which is
0: inauspicious we'll yeah, say yeah.
1: hold on to that thought because that's a future that the, the number of people is funeral is a future podcast episode you can read about it in our blog po- post called who is the man on the macintosh mm-hmm. uh yeah um there's a really great article you can find on jstor by uh, scholar hepburn um where he said a poorly attended funeral was Considered disrespectful to the dead and reproachful to the living, was mm-hmm. the, the wording that he used. Yeah. That will be linked in our show notes if you'd like to read it. Uh, really um, illuminating that article for me. Um, Bloom, for his part, kind of finds the whole affair, a whole affair very dull and monotonous, uh, maybe a little hollow. Going, eh, it's all the same. Ball bears, golden reins, requiem mass, firing of volley, pomp of death. So it's it's all kind of about this image. Mm-hmm. And the image, the outward image is I think very important to his his friends. Mm-hmm. Like having all those traditions. And Bloom's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um let's see here. Yeah, we've uh mentioned Joe Hines and Ned Lambert. A few other facts about Tom Kernan. Uh, He's a converted Protestant. He converted to Catholicism. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we'll see going forward, he kind of doesn't get it either. He and Bloom kind of get paired off because they're both like asterisks. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But he was mentioned back in, in Lotus Eaters. I wanted to refresh you on that.
0: In Westland Row, he halted before the window of the Belfast and Oriental Tea Company and read the legends of lead papered packets. Choice blend, finest quality. Family tea, rather warm tea. Must get some from Tom Kernan. Couldn't ask him at a funeral, though. Yeah, so
1: Bloom always has an angle, and he wants to squeeze some tea out of <laughs> Tom Kernan. Hmm. Um, oh, and uh, another just fact about Joe Hines. I he said he's a reporter for the Freeman's Journal, and he also owes Bloom three shillings, mm. which Bloom will fail to recoup. <sighs> <sighs> spoiler alert. Does it count as a spoiler alert if I tell you after? <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is the final.
0: Coffin now. Got here before us, dead as he is. Horse looking round at it with his plume skew-ways.
1: Skew-ways. Skew-ways.
0: Coffin now. Got here before us, dead as he is. Horse looking round at it with his plume skew-ways. Dull eye. Collar tight in his neck, pressing on a blood vessel or something. Do they know what they cart out here every day? Must be twenty or thirty funerals every day. Then Mount Jerome for the Protestants. Funerals all over the world, everywhere, every minute Shoveling them under by the cartload double quick Thousands every hour, too many in the world Mourners came out through the gates, woman and a girl Lean-jawed harpy, hard woman at a bargain, her bonnet awry Girl's face stained with dirt and tears, holding the woman's arm Looking up at her for a sign to cry Fish's face, bloodless and livid The mutes shouldered the coffin and bore it in through the gates so much dead weight. Felt heavier myself stepping out of that bath. First the stiff, then the friends of the stiff. Corny, Kelleher and the boy followed with their wreaths. Who is that beside them? Ah, the brother-in-law. All walked after.
1: And They enter the gates of the underworld. Mm. Okay. Thoughts?
0: So, um... So yeah, the plume skew is, I had to like he had to help me with that. S- yeah. It's spelled ske- say this Joyce skew ways. Yeah, to, it just like, means like a skew. Yeah, melt so my he's brain looking there.
1: Looking at the the horse, the horse looking around. Yes, he's a plume on his head. It's off to one side. Yeah, collar yeah. looks too tight. So Bloom's kind of finding the, the the cracks in the surface, isn't
0: he? Yeah, the things that are slightly wrong with the funeral. Yeah, because the the, the horse should be properly like arrayed yeah. and everything. You know? This is
1: proof to him that all this pomp and circumstance is just surface surface yeah, level yeah, kind of yeah, hollow
0: yeah um yeah and then it gets very morbid about the numbers he, even like in 1904 too many the world's overpopulated for for mr bloom mm-hmm. uh, mount jerome for the protestants so yeah like some sort of uh, sectarian divide uh, irish graveyards in my hometown there was the protestant side and the catholic side of the same graveyard but apparently there are so few church of ireland now that they've given the, mm. more of the graveyard of the RCC. So.
1: I think before Glasnevin was open, there wasn't any place in Dublin for Catholic burials. Mm. Um,
0: yeah.
1: So, and my understanding is that any anyone can be buried in um, Glasnevin Cemetery, Prospect Cemetery, mm-hmm. but it caters to the needs of Catholics. Yeah. 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 I
0: mean, I don't think they'd be throwing people out for... You know.
1: No, no. I, I think it's yeah. always been that way, but there was just... You know, there mm-hmm. wasn't really like a Catholic, very, yeah. and it was like a penal laws thing. It was a whole, yeah. 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 Um, so he
0: describes the uh, woman and daughter coming out and their grief. She's mm-hmm. the girl's crying. Sounds like the older woman isn't. Uh, I think is they're it? both in like...
1: grief, but people experience grief mm-hmm. in different
0: ways. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he describes it as a fish's face, bloodless mm-hmm. and livid. Good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sh- the mutes shoulder the coffin, Paul bears. Mm-hmm. Um, Corny Callaher again uh, with and the The rates. boy? Do you know uh, who the boy is? And the boy, no.
1: Uh, that would be Patty Dignam's son. Okay,
0: so he does yeah. have family. And the bro- there's a brother in law, too. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: All yeah. right.
0: So there's some family there, but it's not mm-hmm. a lot. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah, I've got one more. And Patty has plenty of family. It's just most of them aren't at the graveyard. And we'll meet hmm. his son in particular right. later on in the novel. Uh, I've got one more little bit of Homer for you. So do you remember who Patty Dignam's? I'm asking you this. I I don't expect you to say yes. Do you remember who Patty Dignam's uh, parallel is in the Odyssey? Oh, I... It's someone you've never heard of. No. So uh, it would be Elpinor, Mm -hmm. who got too drunk at Circe's villa and fell off the roof and died. Okay, And so when Odysseus shows up in the underworld, Elpinor is Mm. there, his... his, uh, You know his man, who's gone before him, in into the afterlife, is there waiting for him. So, Bloom says got got here before us. That that's a a reference to, Patty. Status is there. Okay. um, Parallel Elpenor. So they refer to the mutes. The mute shouldered the coffin and bore it through the gates.
0: Um, What are mutes? Uh, well, somebody who can't talk, right? But in this case, I, th- I, I assume it's just a pallbearer on this some other reference I'm missing.
1: Mutes are paid mourners. Oh, um, Buck no. Mulligan okay. references them in, in Telemachus. Okay. Do you remember that line?
0: Mm, no, no. Uh, you crossed her last wish in death, and yet you sulk with me because I don't whinge like some hired mute from Louette's.
1: Yeah, mm. so this is Mulligan and Stephen having their little spat about Mulligan calling his mother beastly dead. hmm and buck mulligan is just saying yeah it is beastly dead to me i'm a medical student i see people pop right. off all the time like yeah. you're you know <laughs> you you refuse your mother a last wish and you're mad at me because mm-hmm. i'm not going to cry like a, a paid right. mourner right. um so laluets is a, described in the Gifford and Seidman annotation as a funeral and carriage establishment in dublin so i'm guessing they are people who were like they work, for, they work in the funeral industry and they're there to act as pallbearers because right. it's not really noted that they're like they're wailing and rending garments or anything mm-hmm. like that. But the implication of Mulligan's statement is you can, you can get that if you want to pay for it. Right. Um, now, you notice the lack of women. Mm. Is it your experience that women are not in attendance at graveside services in Ireland? They always are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's strange. So I've got a few notes here on women and funerals, um, because I've seen different sources will say different things. Some will say that women were not allowed, but I, I, you know, I don't think that's an Irish custom, Mm -mm. um, from what I can tell from my, so Mrs. Dignam is certainly not there. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's not really stated here why, um, but, uh. I think it was a Victorian custom, probably an English custom, that women did not attend graveside services mm-hmm. because they were seen as sort of too outwardly emotional, mm-hmm. and that was inappropriate at such a, a, a solemn service. Mm. So they they were not invited, mm. and that is certainly in keeping uh, with Patty Dignam's experience here. Mm. But obviously women are not barred from the graveyard because we see two women. female people left, yeah. come out. Yeah. Um, and traditionally in Ireland, women played a very important uh, role in funerals. And so I want to talk to you, just this is sort of an, an interesting aside about women and, um, you know, cultures around death, traditions around death. Um, this is the, I think, now most defunct custom of keening. Do you know what keening is? Yeah, like
0: the wailing mm-hmm. over the dead. But in a way that's like, it's mm-hmm. performative. Mm-hmm. Um to kind of induce grieving in the other mourners I guess mm-hmm.
1: or yeah. Yeah, so I I looked I looked this up because I was thinking it's definitely not an Irish custom that women can't attend funerals. I think that's from the you know, from the other side of the the mm. sea. Um but yeah, it's a very ancient custom in Ireland and it was sort of um mythologized by the Celtic revivalist writers in particular um john millington singh mm-hmm. who wrote a, who visited the aran islands i think five times and wrote about it but he sort of wrote about it in a way where i think people writing about um people from a foreign culture or a culture they see as is, is simpler than their own mm-hmm. and so there's some issues with that but um okay. as a result of singh's you know, kind of reverential treatment of Keening. I think there's a reaction to it then in the next generation of writers, so people like Joyce and Beckett and even Seamus Haney, um, were all very kind of skeptical of mm-hmm. not only Singh's portrayal, but just this this kind of um what they would have seen as twentieth century writers as a very passe kind of um, you know just an Ireland that didn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um and Keening is mentioned in Ulysses. Um, Old Gummy Granny, mm-hmm. who's sort of the horror version of the Milkwoman from the the Tower. Right. Um, she appears in Circe, and uh, I'd like you to read that passage there.
0: Old Gummy Granny rocking to and fro, Ireland's sweetheart, the King of Spain's daughter, Alana. Strangers in my house, bad manners to them. She keens with banshee woe. A cone, a cone, silk of the kine. She wails. You met with poor old Ireland, and how does she stand? Yeah. Did, did I get those? You
1: did great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing f- at
0: mm-hmm. them like the onomatopoeic yeah. uh, c- yeah. sounds or whatever the hell. Yeah, no,
1: like. that, that, um, Achon is um, a traditional sound used in Keening. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's a word or just a sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about it. I don't think you'll hear Keening at an Irish funeral nowadays. You won't. No, and there's, no. There are um, premeditated reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so keening is very interesting to me because this was um, not just a thing that women did. It was something they did professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a way for them to earn money. And as a result, they were sometimes choosy about who they keen for. Uh, I, I read there's a really excellent article called no keening carried on today that was in lapham's quarterly a couple years ago it's also linked in the show notes so my comments are based on this article i'd recommend reading it if you'd like more in-depth discussion but um apparently if families didn't have any money to offer they might pay the keeners in alcohol Mm -hmm. but if there were a better paid gig up the road they might choose that instead of the underpaid one um and this was sort of the main reason that the catholic church opposed keening as a custom Mm -hmm. because they they saw it as an inauthentic expression of grief yeah like oh these you know these old biddies they're just in it for for the the booze and the money yeah you know they're not really sad Mm -hmm. you know they're they're and i think also that um Belief that, that sort of open um, emotional grieving at a gravesite isn't appropriate mm-hmm. kind of played into that too. It's, it's overly emotional, it's, it's not appropriate for this solemn, dignified affair.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and the Catholic Church famously doesn't mm-hmm. care about money.
1: They famously do not, yeah.
0: But um, <laughs> all the gold and Rome's like just. Accidental. I think the
1: the British rule definitely played a role in the death of Keening as well, but it was really the the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And I think too, in a in a bid as they became more anglicized and in a bid to remain somewhat acceptable to the British ruling class, mm-hmm. they really clamped down on it. So the Brits had their hands in it as well, but mm-hmm. it was the the Catholic Church that really pushed it. Um it was opposed as well by the British because Keening is done exclusively in Irish. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um it was a a way to be subversive mm-hmm. and to speak a language that wasn't really allowed to be spoken. Mm-hmm. And they could they could be saying anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um because Keens are not just um it's not just um wailing or crying. Um, it's not just sounds, like they're saying words. Um and the words are not formless or completely spontaneous. Mm-hmm. They are um, they actually use a very specific rhyme scheme and poetic meter. Right. Um, they tend to be improvised, but you have to have a really high degree uh, or high level of skill, both musically and as a sort of improv- improvisational poet mm-hmm. in order to keen well. And there were, you know, people who did quite well as keeners. Wow. Yeah. So... Um, It was something like, oh, they did that out in the boonies, you know. Um, And so I think that's where you get the reaction to from people like Joyce, who were kind of like, this is not who Irish people are. This is this is like a, you know, as I an American would think of as like, this is like a like a hit custom. Yeah. These are uneducated people. That's not what Irish people are like. Mm -hmm. Um, There's not a fair um, view to have, I think, about Keening, but it shows that that. the, the actual complexity of it and the skill required was completely overlooked in favor of showing it as this beautiful noble a,
0: tradition or an aesthetic. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: Totally aesthetic rather than yeah. a, a skilled profession and yeah. they should be paid and you, yeah, you could pay them so they would show up and really like go to town. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they did. But, um, you know, you might think of that as like, Oh, it sounds like, you know, Kim Jong Il's funeral or something like that. <laughs> yeah But, um, it can be very hard for people to grieve openly. It's an o- emotion we don't always know how to express because it's not something we see in day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, if people aren't used to being that openly expressive with their feelings, um, it the keening can could serve as a, a, a way to, you know, allow you into that space of open grieving, mm-hmm. of, of weeping or crying, which can, you know, be very emotionally cleansing and it can also just being in the presence of it allows you to grieve in whatever way it's saying like this this is a space for grieving right in whatever way it's it's appropriate to do that now like we're opening those those gates for however if you also want to weep and cry Mm -hmm. if you want to just feel sad or whatever because everyone grieves in their own their own way so um Mm. Any thoughts? No. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Is, I, I mean, I'm talking a lot about you're, you're the resident Irish person. So do you have any thoughts? Because I feel like I'm talking about your culture.
0: No, no, no. You can get it more than a lot of people. Okay. Um, okay. I, I, look, I be, We've just moved to the west of Ireland. Mm-hmm. And I get the sense just from the few months mm-hmm. we've been living here that there is a noticeably different culture here mm-hmm. than I ever had growing up on the east of the country. Mm-hmm. And... Personally, I prefer it, mm-hmm. at least for now. We haven't had the bull McCabe chasing me down the field with a rock to <laughs> cave my head in yet. Um, but now it does seem it's, it feels warmer. Um, mm-hmm. Feels to me, people are lovely. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's different. Even the young people seem to be different. Mm-hmm. We've had this discussion a few times, like in terms of funerals, like growing up. Like the only ones I can really judge against is my grandparents or certain aunts or Mm -hmm. uncles who passed away. And they they tend to be like very well attended. Uh, Everybody has drinks afterwards. Uh, We don't burn buildings down. There's no corpse propped up Mm -hmm. in a coffin with a pint in their hand at the end of the wall. Um, But it's, you know, you get together, you have a good time, you tell stories. Because also too, for Irish people, like the family is extended all over the the country or the world, then it's one of the few times when everyone gets to see one another before they separate again. So it would be when I would meet a lot of cousins and such that you haven't maybe seen in ten, twenty more years mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, so it's kind of bittersweet, um, but I think it's a healthier way of mm-hmm. of doing things. And mm-hmm. usually like the after <laughs> the drinks can go on a bit too hot. I remember my <laughs> uncle's wake, we went on. We, were off, we walked home at four a.m. Um, um, but yeah, no, I would rather have that kind of relationship mm-hmm. with it than something that's too yeah. bottled up, mm-hmm. you know, um, emotionally mm-hmm. constipated or repressed. It's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's it'd be plenty of sadness, too. Like, you know, we're not all walking around like wailing on one <laughs>
1: um, For further recommended reading, there's a really excellent book called My Father's Wake. Mm-hmm. Um, can't remember the author's name and I don't want to get it wrong but he uh, talks about returning to Ackle Island where he grew up after kind of becoming a, a man of the world mm-hmm. um, and going through a lot of those sort of you know more traditional um, funeral customs mm-hmm. um, and how that kind of w- I think this would have been in the late 20th century I'm also hes- hesitant to give a even a decade hmm. but uh, it's well, well worth your time to read that book if you're interested in Irish funeral customs in particular so hmm. um, alright so My Father's Wake check that out um, I'll include um, links to the other articles I mentioned in the show notes which can be found at bloomsabarnacles.com that's correct um, uh, follow us on social media subscribe on Patreon and have a great week Bye. Bye.